You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. My guest today is a friend of mine who is a softball pitcher and was known in college, especially as she got there as being very country. (laughs) She's from Mm -hmm. Texas, but she also played for UT, the Longhorns, um, just a, a stellar pitcher while she was there. And she also played in the professional softball league for the Chicago Bandits. And I know her as one of the most kind and positive people that you will ever meet. So joyful, so full of hope. I mean, just such an inspiration. And she's faced a lot of adversity throughout her career, um, in her personal life. We're going to share some of her story today. And I know that she's going to inspire all of us that listen, um, because she has so much wisdom with what she's going through. So I just want to welcome today, Megan Denny White to the gold standard podcast. Thank you for being here, Megan. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about your softball career. Um, did you play other sports? Was softball your main sport when you were young? I played every sport up until my freshman year of high school. That's when I decided to just put everything aside and dedicate my entire, really my entire existence (laughs) to softball and to being the best softball player I possibly could. And um, really at that point, I was, you know, striving for a scholarship. I wanted to get a scholarship to, um, to a university to play after high school. And I felt like I I needed to set every other sport aside and really just put all my focus in on perfecting my body to be able to perform in the way, you know, that, that a pitcher's body should not the way a basketball player's body should, or a volleyball's player body should. So, um, I completely dedicate everything to softball freshman year. What are some of those characteristics that you think you learned as an athlete that um, really we know in our society can just help us in every aspect of life? Right. Yeah, no, I think some of the greatest things that I've taken from being an athlete is learning how to control only what you can. That's such a struggle in not just athletics, but everyday life, right, is we want so badly to control things that we can't. Like you must sometimes and let it over, you know, kind of uh, just really overwhelm us and controlling what we can. So um, knowing finally just really laying it on the line and, you know, even having them put up in my locker things I can actually control and having it up on my mirror, just reminding me constantly, I can control my focus and what I put my attention on. Okay. And I can also control my attitude how I respond to things like positive attitude, negative, that is controllable. And of course, my relentless efforts in anything that I choose to do, that is all I can control. So when, when I do kind of dedicate my day-to-day life in on controlling those three things to the best of my ability, I find that, you know, I can live more abundantly and I have, you know, peace in all my struggles and, you know, and I really find, find the joy in everything and I find the good in everything. And, um, that's, that's really the, the, the better way to live in my opinion. Um, cause I've lived the other way, you know, where 
you try so hard to control things that you can't and you just the struggle just overweighs the joy and I I and finally made a choice made a choice to really control what I can yeah I, I've I've heard a quote I that said, you know, um, things that you cannot control will adversely affect the things that you can control. What you just said, like, if I'm worried about it, if I'm focused on it, but it literally, I can't control it. So in a sense, it owns you, you don't own it and you're not controlling anything. And, you know, you saying that that's something that was so big for us. Coach Kendra always told us, he told us the two things, but I agree with you, the focus as well. He said, attitude and effort every day. I want you to think about coming and that is what you're going to focus on controlling. So you tie in that focus word, but That is something I agree with you, Megan. I have applied that so much in my life to personal things, to family things, to, you know, work situations of, Hey, it didn't turn out how I wanted, how I expected, but guess what? That is not in my control. So why am I going to sit and dwell on it and let it affect my emotion, my attitude, right? I I get to decide that. And so I I agree with you saying that that is something I also apply to my life on a daily basis. I find that I I found myself talking myself through situations. Recently, I was in, you know, an environment. I was like, okay, you're not going to be in here that much longer. You can do this. Like (laughs) That was like controlling my attitude about it, right? And like, it's okay. Do what you need to do. Be here. And then you're going to be through this. Um, So tell me a little bit about a young Megan, like your personality. um, You know, what drove you? So as a young, a young Megan, I was actually pretty insecure, a very big introvert. I was um, just not really comfortable in my own skin at all. Um, I was a lot bigger than all of my peers and which, you know, comes with, you know, Hey, why are you so big? Why are your legs so long? You know, like, could you beat my, could you beat up my brother or, (laughs) you know, things like that, you know? Um, And then not being able to shop at the fun stores that my friends got to shop at and wear the cool clothes. And, you know, that was always a struggle, but um, whenever, and whenever I finally started playing softball and I uh, found a passion that I loved so much and something that I was good at, it really built so much confidence. And I mean, how many times have we heard from any anybody like confidence is key (laughs) confidence is key to success and when I found that confidence that I so desperately needed I started realizing hey my body was meant for this it wasn't meant to be a Victoria's Secret model like (laughs) (laughs) it was it was meant for this and I appreciated my body and I respected my body and um, I grew to love the the body that I was given and and then realizing and understanding how hard that I had to work to, to be as good as I was and to, to overcome, you know, all of that, um, like self-destruction really for so long, I was proud of myself. I became very, very confident in, in my spirit and in my heart and my mind and my, my ability to, to handle adversity. And uh, none of that would have been unveiled without, you know, God putting the love of softball on my heart. I love that it ties in, you get this passion eventually. And then it leads to that purpose of like, wait, there's a bigger purpose here. I was, I was literally built a certain way. And like you said, you know, I see athlete or not athletes. I see tall, you know, kids that, like you said, they stand out because they have that height. That is, is something that we don't get to choose our height, right? God chooses that. And I always will say, do you play sports? (laughs) 
because <laughs> I, I know the value of height and, you know, build when it comes to our sport. I mean, my son's a football player and we're wishing he could grow a couple more inches. Right. And so, yeah. you know, like you said, like, okay, wait, that, what can I do? But it was you finding that I'm also very big on people finding out what drives them and who they are. And I love that you were exposed to that. So when did goals like you wanting to play, you said your freshman year of call or high school, was that when you had this goal to play at college and get a scholarship? Yes, because before that college was not really, um, a, a goal for me. I never thought I would go to college. Um, nobody in my family went to college, so it just wasn't on the radar. Um, now when I was a little girl and I saw your, you guys play in 1996, um, y'all were at an exhibition game in Fort Worth. Um, the, from the first pitch I saw Lisa Fernandez throw, I was hooked, just mesmerized by all of you. And I couldn't believe that, you know, you could play softball in the Olympics and that, that was it for me. I wanted to be an Olympic softball player. That's all I wanted to be. And then as I grew older, it's like, wait a minute, got to go to college first. <laughs> so then, yes, then the short-term goal became, let's get into college. Let's do well. Let's get to the Olympics. The Olympics was always that end goal for me. It, it was like Olympics or die, you know? I mean, it really was that intense for me. It, it was the, my, the only reason for my existence. The only reason I got up in the morning, the only reason I did anything was it was in the back of my mind, is this going to help me be an Olympian someday? Like it came down to what I ate, <clears throat> to what I ate. Like <clears throat> I, I, I never ate like fried foods. I never drank sodas. I never did anything that I thought would damage my body because I have to be an Olympian someday. And that's what it takes to be an Olympian. <laughs> you know, I went to bed early. I never went to parties. I never subjected myself to any kind of trouble. I had dyslexia. So school was not exactly my jam. So I had to find ways to, to do extra on top of all the training that I was doing so that I could get into college and eventually go to the Olympics. It's every single decision I ever made throughout my day-to-day -day life was it always in the back of my mind, is this going to help you become an Olympian? That's it. That's all I ever lived for. And so, um, yeah, so the, the big goal was created when I was a little girl. I think I was, how old was I in 1996? I don't remember. <laughs> um, uh, that's when it all started. And then yes, those short-term goals throughout my life started creeping up. I want to win a state championship in high school right? I need to get a scholarship and go to college. I need to be an All-American in college. I need to make a splash in college so that I, you know, so that the USA softball, they know who Megan Denny is and they want her on her team, no questions asked, <laughs> you know? So that was pretty much what my, my goal set looks like from, from at a young age into high school and into college. I think that is so powerful because having that big goal, like you said, it allows you to set those shorter goals that are going to lead you in that direction. And I'm a big believer that even if you never reach that end goal, all these other things you've accomplished along the way are going to be just so much bigger probably than you would have had you not seen this bigger massive goal that you were heading toward and how clear it is. I, I really think, you know, for myself as well, it was the college scholarship first and foremost, same thing in my family. Nobody went to a four year before, and I was going to be the first, you know, I didn't know what it looked like. And, and I got chills when you were talking about seeing the Olympic team and Lisa Fernandez 
because it truly is reality. If you can see it, you can be it. Now there are those visionaries who can see it beyond and it's never been done. And that's amazing, but it's so powerful when people can see it. And that's why the visibility of our sport that's taken off softball, college softball, just phenomenal, the viewership and exposure and opportunities that have come from it because all these young athletes, they see it and they think that's where I want to go. That's what I want to do. And that's exactly, you know, the story that you're talking about. And, um, and you, you did, you went on to, to go do great things. Tell me a little bit about your experience playing in the pro league for softball and like what that meant to you. Wow. Dream come true. <laughs> Absolute dream come true. So um, I, 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 I'll i be honest, I did not do as well as I hoped I would do in college. Um, a lot of a lot of mental storms prevented that. And, you know, of my own making <laughs> some of not my own making, you know, but it was just, you know, me having to navigate through all those all those um, bits and pieces of adversity. But um, and then my senior year when they decided they were going to take a the, the softball out of the Olympics, um, my heart didn't break. It shattered. It shattered like completely. It was non-existent for a while. Um, I, my spirit was broken. Like the whole reason I even, like I said, just existed was that end goal. And when it was completely just not on the table anymore, um, it was like, what, who, who am I? <laughs> what now? What, like, why do I get up in the morning? Why do I even exist anymore? Um, it was very dark time, very, very dark time. Um, but it was a couple weeks, um, I think like two or three weeks after my last college softball game. Uh, I did, I got a call. I got a call to play uh, professional softball and I, I took it as, okay, you need to stop whining. We need to stop pouting. We need to stop asking why the Olympics didn't happen. It wasn't meant to be for me. And I finally found a peace with that, knowing that God had another plan for me. And I couldn't, I couldn't wait to see what he was going to do. And I could not have written it out any better <laughs> than, than what he can. I mean, he definitely has a much better plan than we could ever have for ourselves. So right then and there in my life, I said, I will never, ever, ever ask why something doesn't work out anymore. I won't do it because I know that he is taking care of me. He is taking care of my life and he's giving me everything I possibly need to fulfill my purpose that he has for me. Again, just going back to that control thing, you know, we don't have control over the outcomes. He's already written them. We do, however, can make choices, right. And have control over our focus, attitude, and effort in the process. Right. So uh, that's, that's what I, that's, that, that was my mindset shift from college ball to pro to professional ball. And when I became a professional, I don't think I've ever been a better pitcher, a better athlete. That's when I hit my peak and became my best is honest to God. When I just let, I gave my career to him. I gave everything that I did to him and to glorify his kingdom. When opposed to when I was in college, I got too wrapped up in glorifying myself. And, and it just so happens, you know, when you do things for him and his kingdom and you trust, trust him, you obey him, you have faith in him. He takes care of you way better than you could ever take care of yourself. And he gave me, he, he rebuilt my heart is what he did. He, he rebuilt my shattered heart and spirit and made me new and redeemed me and, and really showed me what was real and what was true. And, you know, may, again, just made me live abundantly, you know, 
and full of love and full of life and full of spirit for everything because <laughs> there is joy in every struggle, right? That's what I've learned. There's there's uh, peace in every storm. Seek and you will find. <laughs> Another thing I did not really do a lot in college was seek. You know, I was just pouty. <laughs> like, I, I deserve this, right? I earned this. I, you know, there's, there's no reason why I shouldn't get to win a national championship, why I shouldn't have a gold medal around my neck. Like, I did everything right. I deserve this, right? Well, just, oh man, just the wrong way to look at it. Just really, it really, really was. Um, and you know, you know, Leah, the way that I, I played professional ball, right? Like I said, I became the best athlete I ever was. And I had the best time I've ever had playing softball. Not just that, but I, I just, everything I wanted to do with life, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to give back to the sport that I loved so much. And that was so good to me. I wanted to keep using my gifts that he gave me and, and, and he, he, he made that happen. I did that. I, I trained girls, women of all ages, of all stages and all backgrounds right here in my own home. And I, I still get to travel and, and just, he still lets me use this platform that I love so much to, again, just glorify his kingdom in a different way. And I didn't need a gold medal to do that. I did not need to be an all American to do this. I didn't need any of that, you know? And again, that just, again, just like brings me so much peace knowing that it all happened the way it was supposed to happen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I got (laughs) rambled on. It's good. I I think listening to you, there's a couple things that happen. There's that identity shift. And I think so many times we get caught up in our culture being told you're only successful. If you have this title, if you make this amount of money, if you drive this type of car. And then when you realize, wait, I can let all that fall to the ground because I am who God's made me. And you know, I am enough and it's okay. And, and, and God has a purpose for me, no matter what role I'm in and no matter what my stats are or are not. Right. And that happened for me in college as well. And, you know, God opened the door for me to use my talent at that next level. But I had to learn that first, that it was just separate from my identity and also a perspective shift, you know, that, that, like you said, that entitlement, right? That feeling, I think that's very common. People have success when they're younger. There's a lot of notoriety and you're talked about a lot coming in and expectations, but then it's like, wait a second, perspective shift. Okay. You know what? It is a blessing. It's I'm thankful to be here. Um, you know, something can happen anytime that can change that direction and that pivot as well. Like you talking about, okay, this didn't work out. This was a closed door. I'm not going to ask why. I think so many times we, people get stuck there and they get stopped there and it's like, wait, you like go back to the what I can control and I can't control maybe this direction, but it's a pivot and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to still get to do what I love. And, and you've been able to make that happen. Like you said, to be able to impact so many of different ages. So you talked a little bit about adversity and facing challenges and sports does that to us. Can you maybe just go a little bit more into that? Um, maybe something, you know, that you talked, you know, again, about your, your own mental stuff that you had to go through, or maybe even some external stuff that you faced. Was there anything else adversity wise on the field that you faced? Yes. Just not perform for, first of all, just not performing um, in the way I know I could. Um, that, that was aggravating. It was aggravating. It was almost like I was, my feet were stuck in quicksand almost, you know, it's like, I, I know what to do. I know how to do it. I know I can, but I'm not. And 
that's frustrating, right? Just having to deal with that storm of frustration, um, number one. And number two, just getting to a huge university like the University of Texas and having to, first of all, find your find out who you are away from home. That That was a struggle. And then also having to keep up in the classroom. And the University of Texas is... Um, a pretty good school, <laughs> pretty smart people everywhere, you know, just a place that I didn't really feel like I belonged at all. And having that struggle of feeling like I'm failing because I'm making a D or I'm making a C, which I never used to do. And I'm having to work so much harder than everybody else. There was that struggle. And then finding your place on the field, like having to compete for positions, how and building trust in your teammates and, you know, making your coach proud. Your coach is giving you a very large scholarship to be here and you don't want to disappoint them, you know, and then you feel like you, you feel like you do, (laughs) you know, you feel like you do every single day. And, and then having to, you know, kind of handle the adversity with, teammates and maybe some clashes that, you know, you have with another teammate, which that, that that's a real thing. It's a real thing. Everybody, everybody has it. Um, and not really knowing how to navigate through that either, not really knowing how to communicate properly or how to handle the situation and everything just goes so wrong. Everything like nothing goes right. And it just, it really feels like you're just in a complete whirlwind of, of a living hell, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's dark and it's dangerous. It's terrifying. So there's, there's all of that. And then, you know, everything gets better, right? Year by year and not really everything gets easier. We get better, right? We get more mature, we get more knowledgeable. And, um, so we can navigate through these things a little bit easier, but then, you know, when you feel like you're on top of the world, you're doing good, you figured it all out, you get hurt you know, and then now you're having to deal with that piece of adversity of not, of still having to perform, but not performing at your hundred percent and what you know you can do. And that, that right there can be agonizing. And, um, and that, that was like my thing at the end, at the very end of my senior year, I'd hurt my back my junior year. And since then I never was the same. And I, I remember my last game, like it was yesterday. Cause it was that traumatic for me. Um, my body, I was probably, I used to throw like 72 miles an hour. I was probably throwing 65, 66. So that's just out, very out of the norm for me. Um, I just could not grip the ball, right. I couldn't stride, right. I couldn't, you know, throw, I could not throw like I know I could because my body had just had it, you know, my mind hadn't, but my body had, so my body couldn't do what my mind was telling me to do. And I came out in the third inning after getting a home run hit off of me. So that was the last pitch I ever threw in college was a home run. Um, I don't think it's landed yet either. That girl launched it. Um, so, so there, and then, and then right after that, knowing there's no shot at the Olympics, right? So just all of those nasty, nasty storms right there had really, like I said before, like shattered my heart. And when when your heart, when your heart and your spirit like that has been shattered into non-existent anymore and then rebuilt again, redeemed and renewed, it's, it is just the most incredible feeling ever. I tell a lot, all my athletes all the time when they're going through their own storms, I'm like, look, listen, when you're in the weight room, 
it's just an example. Okay. If you're in the weight room and you are busting it, you are, you're lifting, you are just break, you're breaking down your muscles. You're breaking them, right? Why? So that they can rebuild and get stronger. Our mind and our spirit, our heart are no different. They're no different. And all of this, it doesn't, it, it, we can't look at it as it's happening to us. It's happening for us, for us and for something else that is to come. And I, I did not expect what was coming for me, but I can't help but be, but look back and be so thankful for all of those struggles and all of that, all of those different storms of adversity at, you know, around every corner, there is in no way if I did not go through all that and be broken and shattered and rebuilt that I could ever, ever do what God was preparing me to do here in the last six months. Okay. So let's, let's make that shift now and talk about that. I've watched you the last six months, Megan, and, um, have been absolutely amazed. Um, I've been inspired. I've been in tears praying more than ever for you and your family. Um, but I think it's so powerful, this message that you have, because everything you just shared is what's going to lead us to how God has helped you get through the past six months. So tell me a little bit about your story, about your husband, Cliff, and about what you've gone through. Um, my, my most wonderful husband ever, (laughs) who is so supportive. He, he, he caught for me during my college years when I had to go home and during my pro years to keep me in shape and encouraged me to play professionally, even though I wasn't going to get to live with him our first few years of marriage. Um, just absolutely just the most empowering person God put in my life. Um, we found out that he was diagnosed with cancer in May and not just any cancer. This is probably one of the rarest cancers that a human could possibly get. Um, it is urachal cancer and it's, it develops when you're still in the womb, when you're still in your mother's womb, it is uh, the urachus is a canal that connects your bladder to your umbilical cord. And that, that little canal stuck to his bladder and never came off and turned into cancer 37 years later. Uh, well, it was building in his building in his body from the very beginning anyway. And they, they do say that they don't. They don't know much about this cancer. They don't have a lot of research or data. The things that they do know is it's found at later stages and it's very aggressive, extremely aggressive. And there, there is no cure there. They just hoped to maintain it is what they told us. So, um, pretty discouraging news, pretty discouraging news. So, um, but him and I, him and I, from the very beginning, Leah, we talked about how you cannot put a question mark where God puts a period. I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> that was one of the le- very clear lessons that I was taught. You, we don't ask why. We don't ask why. We, we're not designed to understand. We're not designed to, we're designed to obey and we are designed to have faith. And when we do have faith and trust in his plan, he works things out for the good. That was mine and Cliff's anthem. And that's what we were going to do. We're not going to ask why. We're going to ask, what is it? And how do we fight it? What is it? And how do we fight it? And another thing is, was even he said, he said this himself. He goes, I am not afraid of death. I know exactly where I'm going. That is not what I, I'm not scared of that. The only thing he said he was scared of was just not being, leaving his kids, just leaving our kids and leaving me. I mean, I think he, he knew, he knows how tough I am. He knows how strong I am. I think he was more concerned for the kids, but 
Um, that's the only thing he was concerned about. And he was concerned about his fight, about how he fought. He wanted it to be, we had to control what we could, right? We, we focused on that so hard. What can we control? We can control what he eats. We can control his sleep. We can control his, his, you know, work to rest balance. We can, um, all these things that we can control, we're going to control to the best of our ability. That's what we're going to do. And, and we understood, he understood, this was him. He said, I, the only guarantee as soon as we come into this world that we are leaving, that's it. And he said, all he wanted to do was fight as hard as he could. That was his, that was his goal. That was my goal is to help him fight as hard as he could and be here as long as he could. And so that's, that's exactly what we did. It was exhausting at times. Sometimes it was hard because it seems every single corner we turned, there was just a little bit more bad news, a little bit more bad news, but we prayed. We said, God, please send us everything we need, everything we need to get through this. And Leah, he assembled an army. That's the only way I can really describe the community and the people that have just willingly jumped into the pits of hell with us willingly and, and so, and so encouraging and just ready to charge with us through this. And from the very beginning, we, we prayed, we prayed hard that we would get on a clinical trial because those apparently what everyone says has been telling us save people, the clinical trials save people. And even the very first doctor we saw, the urologist that found the tumor and got it out, he even told us, he goes, I hope you guys get to get on a clinical trial and you get immunotherapy. Immunotherapy was the words we we just lifted up to Jesus every day because the, everyone tells us that's that's saving people, that's curing things. But But the doctors did say your cancer is not breast cancer. It's not lung cancer. It's not pancreas cancer. Like this is a very different type of cancer that immunotherapy is reacting differently to these cancers than this. So it's like, again, just more, more and more bad news. I do remember, oh, this was a big turning point um, in, in our journey after three rounds of chemo, not working. We finally got on our clinical trial. We did it. We got it. And we, we went straight back down to Houston and the doctor told us, look, I'm, I'm giving this a 15% chance of working. So um, that, that was hard to hear. It was very hard to hear. Cliff was a little discouraged about, about that number. It was pretty low. And, um, but he, but I love, I love our doctor so much. This is his championship mindset. And this is how he talked to my husband. And I loved it. He said, you know what, but I'm going to give you your best shot at that 15%. I want you to have a chance at that 15%. So I want, I let's proceed, let's proceed with this and let's do this. Let's give you your best shot at that 15%. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, okay. I like the way you're thinking. I like the way you're talking. Cliff is still a little discouraged. After that meeting, the doctor sent us upstairs to start treatment immediately. As soon as I sit down a few seconds, it was just a few seconds, this man, he sits right in front of me, probably 15 feet in front of me. And on his shirt, there's the outline of a buffalo, a, a North American buffalo. And inside the outline, it says, into the storm. And so I, my heart stops and I just get paralyzed for a second because I'm like, 
Oh, oh my gosh. I, I knew the story. I knew the story of the Buffalo and Cliff did not. So he's like, he looked at me he's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, what's, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, look at that man's shirt. And he's like, there's a Buffalo on his shirt. Like he had no idea. So I let him read it. I let him read the story of the Buffalo. And as soon as he was done, he looked at me, he shook his head like this. And he said, let's go. Oh, I'm like, okay, baby, let's go. And the story of the Buffalo is incredible. These are incredible animals. They're, um, I had read the story before my mother's boss had sent it to her. She sent it to me. And basically it's just comparing how cows and buffaloes react differently to storms how the cows, they run away from the storm and they add, they just add more time into their anxiety of the storm while the buffalo, just like a brave warrior, just charges right into it, says, come at me, storm. You know, what you got? Here's what I got. And, and you know, they're just so, they're so amazing animals. I did, I did read on some more about buffaloes and they are one of the main symbols and main animals of America and they are symbols of unity and strength. Wow. How fitting for our story are the unity of our, of our army that is around us and the strength that we have been given to get through this. It's just like, oh my gosh, we are the buffaloes. We are the buffaloes. Let's charge. And, and oh my gosh, I have my husband's strength and his grace and just. I have never seen anything so remarkable in my, in my life. I never fought him to not go to work. I never fought him not to do anything he didn't want to do. Cause he, I just, I let it go. I let him do whatever he needed to do. If he needed oxygen, I, I needed a scooter to scoot around on. Cause he couldn't walk anymore. I would get that for him. And, you know, I would do anything and everything I could to make sure that that man lived hard and lived out his purpose. And, um, and I watched it. I, wa- I watched you guys live this out. I watched you tell this story. I had never heard the story of the Buffalo. I've now told it to many people, Megan, <laughs> telling your story and the story of the Buffalo and God's story in all of this. And I, I saw that strength. I, I was behind you. You're just, you're seeing your, you know, you're the one going through the storm, but you're helping others go through their own storms. You're talking about that 15%, 15% is still a percent. It's not zero, right? There's yes. still a chance. And, you know, and it has been inspiring and, and you sharing about your husband and watching it, watching it because you guys allowed us to see it through social media, through your community and what you were doing. So tell me a little bit about that. At, as he was a football coach, he, you know, really inspired his athletes and the beautiful story, how that all has transpired. Yes. So at first it was just really, uh, I went on social media just to keep everybody updated because I was getting Leah uh, hundreds of messages a day. There's no way I could have kept up with everybody. So the best way to do it was just let, let's do live Facebook um, messages so that everybody all at once can be updated on what we're doing. And everybody knows exactly what to specifically lift up to the Lord in prayer. And I wanted to assemble a a, a prayer army, like a warriors, a prayer warrior. And it just turned into people, you know, it was seeing how, how much it was affecting other people and to see how we were like, people were telling me, I have never prayed so much in my life. I've never prayed before ever. 
<laughs> you know, seeing that and, and knowing as a Christian, right, our duty, right, is to speak his name, is to tell his story, right, and and is to glorify him in all that we do. And, and so I took that and I ran with it. And I'm like, you know what, if people can come to Jesus over this, then that that's that's what our existence is really for as Christians. So Cliff and I both were like, you know, yeah, let let's do this. Let's expose this and let let's if if this can help anybody with their own struggles, then we are willing, we are willing to to be a living sacrifice for for Jesus is what we're what we're willing to do. Like let's go, both of us. You know, that perspective, again, I keep going back to just your your, perce- your perspective of life changes when you're going through something like that. And, you know, one day you're sitting there worried about, okay, how are we going to pay the bills? Or, you know, how are we going to win this football game? And then next it's like, whoa, like I need to survive another day. Yeah. And, you know, even until the very end, I just was so inspired. I saw him, um, I believe it was the, the day before he passed that evening. I mean, he was, or maybe two people at the the baseball game of your son and talking to your son. Tell me about that. Was, that. that was the day of, that was the day of, yes. He, yeah. We, uh, we, we both at the very, be- back at the very beginning too, I told him, I was like, the best way that you can fight this is to live, live, go to work, coach football, coach Maverick in baseball. Do you like be who God, who God intended you to be, you know? live. Don't let this have power over you. And he never did ever, ever up until the very last day where he is struggling to breathe, even with oxygen, he can no longer walk his, he's got fluid all in his legs and feet. They both weighed so much when he had to be in a motorized scooter and he, and it it was hot. It was, uh, it was October 15th. It was a hot day here in Texas, very humid. And Maverick had two baseball games. And he was, uh, of course, we all went as a family and he kept sitting up right by the fence when there is shade right behind him and the wind blowing. I'm like, honey, let's, why don't you go up here in the shade? And he said, no, I want to be right here. I'm like, okay, all right, go for it, man. (laughs) So he was right there, very present for our son very present for our son. He would, um, at between games, he would scoot over there and do what he could to coach him and to encourage him and to tell him what what he could do to get better and just nonstop fathering and loving and coaching our son. It was just the, the most beautiful thing. It was the most beautiful thing. And then that evening, after all the baseball games, we came home, we showered, we changed that evening. Um, I had thrown him a big birthday celebration because his birthday was the next day. Um, and and it was Saturday. So all of his, all of out of town family could come all of out of town friends could come. I just made it to where everybody could come. Leah, I think we had over a hundred people, over a hundred people there. And he got to see people from high school that he hasn't seen in years. Everybody who's ever loved this man and that he has loved was at this birthday party and he was just loved on all night long. There was, and we were at an outdoor restaurant. So there was other people, there was other parties going on. And, um, the live singer, I asked her if she could please sing happy birthday to Cliff and if we could pray over him. And of course she's like, absolutely. So, and that's what we did. We sang happy birthday. Every, everybody, all hundred people at his birthday party gathered around. Everybody had their hands on each other, had their hands on him. And, 
uh, a family friend said the most, the most beautiful prayer ever. It was just exactly the way I, I envisioned him being celebrated. Um, and he is not into birthday parties. He never let me throw him a birthday party. He doesn't like attention. I'm like, well, well, you're getting it. Well, we're getting a lot of that now. Um, but he was so receptive to it. He was so, so excited. And he loved it. There was one point where, um, he, he needed to go to the bathroom. He couldn't do it alone. So I had to go with him and, um, and help him. And then after that, he said, I think I'm ready to go home. I'm like, okay, let's go home and let's, let's, you know, let's get you in bed, let's get you to rest. And, uh, he said, no, but I want, I want you to tell everyone to come tell me goodbye. And I'm like, okay. So that's exactly what I did. I got everybody over there. Everybody loved on him and told him goodbye, got him in the car. And then he invited um, two of our friends back to the house just to hang out, which I'm, I didn't know about that. They, I'm like, what do you guys do? Like Cliff invited us to come hang out. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I got him all set in his chair. I got him in his, his leg compression things on, got his oxygen going, got him all comfortable, hung out with him for a little bit, just talked about the party, how much he loved it, how excited he was about it. Thankful, you know, that it happened and that he loved me. I loved him. It was just a beautiful night. And he's like, go, go hang out with uh, Desiree and Hunter. Um, like, are you sure you don't want me to stay in here? He he said, no, no, go hang out with, go hang out with the friends and, and I'll just go to sleep. I'm like, okay. So I couldn't help it. I went back in and I checked on him like three times just to make sure he was okay. Give him a kiss, give him a hug and just check on him. And he was fine. He was fine. And then after there was a point I was like, okay, guys, I'm tired. (laughs) Like we need to go to bed. So, um, everybody left. I came in, Cliff looked, he looked like he was asleep. Like he was okay. He was breathing and, uh, I got ready for bed and something just told me check his oxygen check it, just make sure. And it was, um, it was dangerously low. And then I tried to wake him up and he didn't wake up. So I had to get him out of the chair. He was 220 pounds. I lifted him up and I laid him down on our concrete floors as gentle as I would a newborn Leah. That's how ready my body was to do that all those years of my body. Like it was ready to do that. And I had to try to save him until the paramedics got there. And then when they did get there, I just screamed in prayer. I didn't stop. I didn't even stop to breathe. I don't think I was just like, Jesus, save him. Jesus, don't take him. He's not ready yet. Just Don't leave me. Just all the things, you know all the things just in constant, constant spiral and just screaming, trying to breathe. And I continued until I continued doing that at the hospital until I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can explain it in the way it really happened, but in all of that complete chaos, it's just like, it just stopped. Like the storm just stopped and everything. I was calm and my heart was back to beating at a normal pace and I could breathe. And that's when I, I think that's when he really left. That's when he left. Um, and I had this 
it's just like a like a comfy blanket of peace you know that just lays over your whole body and your whole soul and um and uh and we said our final goodbyes there wow I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, it's, I, it's so powerful. Oh. It's so powerful because this is reality. And there's been a lot of people who go through different cancer stories and diagnoses and loss. And to be able to have you share it so real and so raw, I was amazed that that next day you were up sharing at, you know, an event at the school yeah. that you guys had planned to celebrate him that day. Yeah. But instead you were talking about your husband who had just went to be with the Lord and, you know, his whole football team was in the stands and, you know, you talk about that army. And I, I've seen that through the years, I've seen you ask other people to to pray. I've seen you wrap your arms around other people. And and I remember praying for people you've, you know, mentioned because you were there for others. And I think that a lot of times what we give out is what we get back. And, um, you know, really your Cliff's fight, you know, you guys have that theme fight, like coach white, it's just inspired everybody. Yes. You have your shirt on. Um, it's been just such an inspiration and, you know, really just brings everything back into perspective, Megan, like this life is short nothing's guaranteed and we need to live every day. Like it's our last, but we need to love boldly and make people around us better, right? We need to make the world a better place. And like you said, just being able to go from being insecure and have just those mental battles, like I think most people do, right? Insecurities, different things. And then, wow, no, there's a purpose. I made, you know, created for a plan and, um, and then just be able to go, go into that storm because there are a lot of storms that all of us face and they might look different, but it's the same, you know, theme that's going to help us through it is to charge into it, to not give up, to surround ourselves with the right people. So as we wrap yeah. up is, so just any last, you know, couple of sentences you want to share? Yes. Um, just all, all the, like I was, I was always taught don't second guess yourself, right? Don't, don't second guess your instincts and, you know, just trust yourself and have faith in the, in the process and control what you can. And, um, I learned every bit of that on the softball field and that all, uh, well, I, I told myself you were way too equipped and too prepared to, to, you know, to not do, you know, save your husband. So I, I just, every single lesson I'd learned, I put it to the best use I possibly could. And Leah, as athletes, we all have critiques from, for ourselves, right? Harsh ones usually. And we always usually regret something. I don't have one single regret not one regret at all. And I would not do anything different that I did. I just trusted all of my preparation and I used every tool. I, I, I just, I believe so heartedly that I was equipped to do it. And I trusted that he knew I was the woman for the job. So I trusted that and I followed every instinct and I did everything I could just aggressively and relentlessly and just let my love for my husband drive me on everything. And he did the exact same thing. He did the same thing. We both just charged with, you know, faith and love and strength and, and literally looking back and not having a regret and not having, not wanting to do anything differently. I'm so thankful for that. And that again, like, it's just another thing that brings me peace is knowing that this was meant to be, and we did the best we could and nothing else that we could have done. And we fulfilled, like he, he fulfilled God's purpose for him on the earth. And yeah, it's so just, powerful. Just, I just want everyone to remember too, like when they're going through their own storms, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you to prepare yeah. you and equip you for something else 
in your life that is coming and to also help other people. And you said, don't ask why, but ask what, what can I do about it? Right. And that's the perspective shift and that's our mindset. And that's figuring out a way instead of sitting in, in a place of being stuck and not being able to overcome things. It's like, just take life at what's before you and, and make the most of it. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Cliff's story. I, I know this is just the beginning. God's going to allow you to keep sharing this story, but thank you so much for sharing with us. Yes. Thank you, Leah, for giving me a platform to glorify the Lord and to tell my husband's wonderful story. I appreciate you so much. Well, you live out the gold standard, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the gold standard podcast. And it really is about living out the gold standard in everything you do excellence. And today, as we listen to Megan's story and heard about her husband, Cliff, both of them really lived out the gold standard, living that excellence in how they lived and who they lived for and the love they had for each other. So join us next time here at the gold standard podcast. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.